Welcome to another episode of Small Town Gospel Podcast. I'm Alana, here with Alex, and today we're going to talk about church membership in a rural setting. As we begin, let's first dig into what church membership in general is. So it's important to think of it as a formalized commitment to what you already find in the Bible. So this is based on a few observations from Scripture. First of all, when you look at the New Testament letters, the vast majority of those letters are written not to individuals but to churches. And for our friends from the South, most of the commands could be explained as y'all do this or y'all do that. Uh, It's pretty rare actually for there to be a singular command. And so there's this assumption baked into the cake of the Bible, uh, the New Testament in particular, that Christianity is lived out and followed and obeyed and practiced within a community. So Alana, when you think of membership, the we've talked about the word covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- what comes to mind when, when you think of membership as a covenant? Yeah, so really I just think of all of the covenants that we can see in the Old Testament as examples. So the uh, Davidic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, and it's a fancy glorified promise uh and it allows for us to both have security and um accountability i guess and especially within the church as a local body of believers who commune together often i truly believe that this covenant of membership is just so vital to the health and the growth of the church yeah and uh, i'll be teaching a church membership class at our church three lakes this sunday and one of the things that i start out that class saying is church membership is not biblical and people you know i'm trying to get their attention a little bit the the point though is you're not going to find a chapter and verse where it says thou shalt have church membership or be a formally recognized church member. But uh, church membership is a really good tool, especially in our modern society, to accomplish biblical goals. And so in the first century church, it was very natural and it happened primarily because of persecution Uh, rejection and resentment from the Jews and the, you know, Greeks or Romans believed Christianity and the gospel to be utter foolishness. There was just a built-in community that were deeply uh, committed to each other. Whereas now we have uh, at least a heritage, it's starting to go away, but a heritage of Christian dominance in American culture. And so if I am at such and such Baptist church on the corner and I don't like the casserole that Sue brings (laughs) one time, 
I can just go down two blocks to such and such Presbyterian church and there's zero commitment and this sort of thing happens all the time. And so this covenant, this commitment to the Lord's ministry among a particular group of people helps maintain that bond of peace that you read about in scripture. And so when you think about the distinct roles and what, what you're committing to, Alana, what what comes to mind is, as you consider membership? I think that uh, one thing that membership helps with is just the overall structure of the church. So an established role of eldership and authority and uh, the checks and balances that go with that and the duty for the members of the church to both um, commit to the elders and the elders commit to the people. So as a role of my membership, I am committing to sit under your teaching, to uh, listen to your authority, to pray for you diligently, and when I see you falling away from the biblical commands of eldership, I am to come to you and call that out in you. Mm. But then also, I expect from you to teach me biblical truth and to disciple me and to hold me accountable so that when you see sin in my life, you can clearly point it out and correct me and help me in that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the things we talk about for church membership is, uh, especially in rural settings, there's the question, why? why? Why do I have to commit? Are you trying to tread on me? What's going on here? And so one of the key reasons for church membership is that it brings clarity of biblical commitment and accountability. One of the key verses for this is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. And it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, uh, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And so this is a pretty high stakes verse for both members and elders. It's high stakes for members because it says, obey your leaders Mm -hmm. and submit to them. And so the question then becomes, to whom must you submit? And it's your leaders. And how do you define that? And, And membership is one way of saying, I recognize these elders as people that I would like to follow, that I would like to submit to. Now, on the other side of this coin in Hebrews 13, there's this expectation that I have, and I think about it every single day, there's coming a day when I will have to give an account for people, for Mm -hmm. how I cared for and shepherded people. And the question then becomes, who am I going to answer for? And membership is a really good way of just clarifying that relationship Similar to, uh, you know, citizenship or uh, a marriage covenant, uh, there's that, okay, this is what's expected of me in this relationship. And so that's one of the primary reasons for having church membership. Um, When you think of another reason uh, for church membership, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think that doctrinal 
statements, doctrinal integrity is super important. As I am looking to commit to a church, I need to be diligent to know what I'm like, what teaching I'm sitting under. Hmm. I need to know that my elders are going to just continually be teaching me from the scripture and not just from whatever is on their own agenda. I think that uh, there's just a perfect balance, though, of I expect that from them, and they should expect that I'm in the scripture and I'm Hmm. diligently seeking the Lord for my own life um, so that that relationship can be a healthy relationship within church membership because I think that if you don't want overstepping of power, then you need to be clearly uh, foundationally solid in what you believe, why you believe it, and be diligent to seek the Lord. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, just as we kind of wrap up this this first part that's just church membership in general, a couple more reasons for it is that church membership allows for meaningful congregational participation while still protecting the doctrinal and moral integrity of the church family. And the story I like to tell uh, to demonstrate this is like you you want a church where the congregation has a voice, where they're not just being dictated to all the time by the whoever's in leadership. But I, I was a, a part of a small church in a small town that did not have membership. And the the pastor had a moral failure and there was a vote for whether the pastor would stay or whether he would be removed. Hmm. And our average attendance at that church on a typical Sunday was maybe around 100 people. And the day of the vote, there was probably 160 people or so that came to that vote. And those extra people were all of the pastor's relatives. And they were allowed to vote because there was no structure in place to protect and guard against uh, sway of the vote in such a way. And so a man who definitely should have been removed and would have been removed if it were up to the people who were actually committed to the church was kept in and within just a matter of a couple of years that church ceased to exist so membership allows the congregation the people who are actually there to participate while uh guarding against um (laughs) shenanigans like that and then the uh the last reason and perhaps one of the most important uh is that it provides the necessary framework uh, from which to practice gospel discipline. And uh, what passage does that uh, concept of gospel discipline, where, where's kind of ground zero in scripture for that? Matthew 18. <laughs> there you she go. She forgot. Uh, Sorry, I was reading, not paying attention. Um, yeah, so Matthew 18 just lays out this structure and it of course at every step of the way we we might get uh, a standalone episode on on Matthew 18 at some point but every step of the way you're you're pleading one-on-one and then two or three going to that same person and then you take it to the whole church but the end result is that the person is removed Mm -hmm. from the church and in order to be removed there's sort of the implied there there's 
there's a recognized group that you're removed from. And so uh, even that final authority, one of the uh, passages that people who want Mm -hmm. a more congregational style of church government would go to Matthew 18 and say, you don't see the word elder uh, or overseer or pastor or bishop mentioned anywhere. You see the church um, and they are to exercise authority in this way. Well, and I really do think that there's just an aspect of if I am a believer, I am committed to a local church choosing to not be a member uh, to me, it seems like choosing selfishness and choosing the desires that I want because I don't want that umbrella of mm. checks and balances. I don't want there to be somebody looking over my shoulder and making sure that I'm actually living what I'm saying. I have more of a selfish freedom sure. in that. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I'd be curious. You've, you've actually been at our church longer than I've been by... Um, pretty long shot yeah i know you only became officially a member uh since i've been here but just as a part of a family who is deeply committed to our church uh, long before i got here what was that like what what were maybe some situations where being a member as opposed to someone who happened to show up somewhat regularly where that level of commitment uh, affected things I am currently thinking of one specific example where as I grew up, my grandparents were members of our church and I was still living at home. And so this was the church that I regularly attended with them. They were very committed. My grandmother's always been just super involved and she was and currently is our bookkeeper of our church. And so, uh, yeah, she just has this commitment to our church that is above and beyond, I think. And um, what was, I was in high school and uh, there was just some drama with the youth program in our church. And a lot of people who had youth aged kids ended up leaving our church. Most of them were not members of our church some of them were and they just up and left and it really hurt the people that were at the church that stayed but then um i guess for our family because we were members and we were so involved we ended up staying and riding out the storm and ended up having good closure in that situation when i got older i got to talk to the people that uh were condemning the youth in the church and there were lots of apologies and relationships that were mended and restored through that and I truly believe that it was because my grandmother committed in her membership to be the local body in that church Mm -hmm. and not just bail when the storm was super bad right um and yeah it was something that I will never forget of the fact that all my friends practically left and here I was stuck. And now that I have the opportunity to look back, I see the beauty that membership had in that situation so that I could see the restorative process that the Lord had in that church. Um, And now it just makes 
my diligence and level of commitment to our church that much greater, that much sweeter, um, because it's not just a surface level friendship with the church, yeah. so to speak. Um, there's roots involved. Right. Yeah, and I think it's something that's similar to marriage. Unfortunately, the, the cold reality is the, the reason you make a marriage commitment and the reason you make a membership commitment to a local church is in large part with the hard times in mind. You make those commitments thinking in, in not just in health, but in sickness and in health yeah. for, for richer and for poorer. And unfortunately, in marriage and in church membership, so often those key moments when, when your commitment is actually needed, when it's not just a hoot and a half and a good time, uh, that's when a lot of members go, eh, never mind. I'm out of here. And that's not to say there's never a reason for leaving a church. Yeah. There, there would be times. But I would say, um, just to make up a statistic on the spot, oh boy. Uh, a good nine out of ten times it, someone is just leaving because it's not convenient at that point. Or it's because, getting hard. Yeah, they, they don't like real Christianity or, or the requirements of Scripture actually coming to bear so they're like eh i'm out that membership thing i uh yeah. talk so highly about it doesn't actually mean anything and well so, and uh, even hard. just in this situation that i talked about um the lack of membership just created more of a problem in mm. the situation so people who had been going to the church but simply just weren't members then leaving it's i think a bit messier yeah. um then having the accountability of membership so that when things go like that, you have the structure in place so that the elders will come and come alongside those people and try to fix it, I guess. Right, so. right, yeah. And in rural culture, probably more so than other places in our culture, there can be a tendency of, like, let's get a, just just back away quickly from... A dramatic situation and pretend like nothing ever happened yeah and I probably why that is is in a city if if it goes really bad you the tendency at least in the circles I ran in was to work it out and then if it kept not working out you you go about your life you're never gonna see them again whereas <laughs> in Troy uh, no matter what you do there I've had a few run-ins that are just pretty awkward with with people who who have left in various states of uh unrest yeah and you just kind of like hi you know yeah and it, it does feel in some ways like a dramatic teenage breakup sometimes but. yeah and <clears throat> just in another aspect of small town ministry versus a larger church is your you see the people that you go to church with a lot right. outside of church. Yeah, even you're, if you're not trying to. Yeah, you're yeah. working with them. You're, you see them at the gas station as you're pumping gas because there's only one or two to choose from. You see them at the grocery store. You can't just go over to the next grocery store. Uh, you In a small town, you live life with everybody. Yep. And uh, pros and cons to that. Right, absolutely. So 
church membership, I, I've seen... It, it was funny, the church I was on staff at in Portland, you know, some 20-year-old kid would come to church for the first time ever on the day when there happened to be a membership class, and he would, oh, that was great, I'm going to become a member, and he'd become a member, and then I might not see him again. Yeah. What's interesting here is we've had, there have been cases where there's people who, if they were members, would be like among the most dedicated model members of this is exactly what we want a member to be like. Yeah. Uh, but because of this rural mentality of, the, there's just something about, they have the commitment, but putting the commitment in writing, I think, freaks them Scary. out. Scary, yeah. Why do you think that is? Well, in general, we're definitely in don't tread on me territory. Sure. Uh, not putting your name out there on paper or whatever to be tracked. Uh, I think that people are willing to commit in person, but whenever there's a paper trail of committal, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> Paper trails are almost as bad as chem trails around here. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just in the last few years of you you being a member at our church as it is now, our church mm-hmm. has changed a lot over the last five years or so. Uh, people have died or moved away, uh, left angry, <laughs> come happy, uh, all sorts of changes. What... What's been most encouraging to you as as a member of our local church and uh, as you interact with other members? And then what have been some challenges? I think one of the things that I just love the most about our church is I just love the people. Um, we live life together. We have a commitment to one another where our friendships aren't surface level. They're the real nitty gritty, no really how's it going kind of relationships. Um, and I truly believe that that's cultivated within uh, just the commitment to our church. Mm-hmm. So we want to establish relationships one, with one another. We want to build an, each other up and encourage one another and diligently pray for one another. And then we have the opportunity to then push each other in our community to go and to share the gospel because it's not just a solo thing. You Mm. can call up your friend and be like, hey, I have this going on. Come with me. Let's go do this together. Or can you please pray for me? I'm about to meet with somebody and hopefully I will share the gospel with them. Um, So the relational aspect of our church is something that I cherish deeply. Mm. And I would say a challenge to that is I hate confrontation. (laughs) And so um, when you commit to relationship, you, it's the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, And sometimes you have to expose yourself and rightfully so, I should be diligent to confess my sin. Um, But that's hard. (laughs) And it's hard when you're hurt by somebody else's sin and you have to then Figure out your relationship moving forward. Um, And I guess the diligence in the messiness of relationships is a challenge for me. Mm. Um, Pro is that I've learned how to 
be more confrontational and have those harder conversations, maybe even to a fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. So I don't know as a member, if you are curious at all on the elder side uh, about anything or if that can be a wrap. But, well, uh, yeah, I actually do have a question. How do you balance? I wasn't fishing for that. Oh but... yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, how do you balance being an elder of, like, a shepherd of a flock while also making sure that your spiritual health is in check and that you have accountability and relationships with others. Yeah. Usually that would, in in a ideal situation, that would take place uh, with a really strong, unified team of elders and that that has been my experience at, at various points in the life of our church. Right now, our church finds itself in a in a position where I'm actually the only elder, and we we had some uh, kind of unexpected challenges as far as that is concerned, and so we've had to be really intentional. Uh, there's actually a missionary that we support. We'll probably do an interview with him at some point, Luke Lacey. Hi, if you're listening. Uh, so I talk to him fairly regularly and have told the congregation that they can check in with him and, and, uh, let him know if they have a concern. And there's a few men within our local congregation that I check in with and they, they, they're not elders, but they serve in a role that's very similar to an elder where I let them know, man, this week I had, I had this meeting and it was really challenging or this, this circumstance came up and I'm not sure what to do with it or, oh, I sinned in this way. Yeah. And, uh, so that's really a, a healthy team of elders or elder like people <laughs> yeah. should even in that be an example, um, first Peter five, uh, an example to the flock where, you should have these sorts of friendships and relationships. And then, of course, we're, we're all friends. So yeah. uh, you and Danny, uh, I am able to be pretty transparent with you and uh, have those kinds of important interactions as well. So, yeah, it, more and more all the time it becomes evident that, that church leaders, pastors, elders, bishops, if you want to call them that, need that sort of fellowship yeah. um, from within and from outside of their, their local church context. So, yeah. Um, I have wondered as well if there's examples of other churches who have uh, congregational prayer confession time together. Uh, our church does. Mm -hmm. And I, do feel like that plays a large role in how we interact with our elders, how you, you interact with us as church members, and then just relationally how we go about life together, and if that plays any sort of a part in it. Right. I think it's a fairly common small rural church thing Okay. to have prayer and share time. What do we call it? Prayer and proclamation. Prayer, praise, proclamation time. 
The three Ps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Share your burden time, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is something logistically that seems to have to shift once a church gets, I don't know, 75 people or so. It can just turn into a bit of a circus. Yeah. And so it has to be a little bit more tightly administered, I guess. Uh, but that time, I it is one of the reasons why I uh, am very fond, not only in a sentimental way, but also uh, in a principled way, very fond of a small local church. Because there is a family aspect to it that no matter how solid and strong and great the preaching and music and facilities and all that you just flat out lose it um once you grow beyond a certain number of people and so i do think that uh a smaller church just guards against that phony baloney that of oh the pastor and people put him on a pedestal and put his kids on this pedestal which ruins the kids lives and it like our church they all know they they've seen me lose my temper on a racquetball court (laughs) and like they they understand that sometimes i interrupt my wife when she's talking and they see when jason frustrates me and those kinds of things and so there's just none of that phony baloney, um, and I, I think a small church might be the only way hmm. to really protect that. I'm not saying, uh, you know, there there's big churches that I think very highly of, uh, but you just end up with that pastor on a pedestal thing that yeah. happens a lot more there. So, Well, as a pro in that, as we wrap up, when you live in a town of only a thousand people, you can just count that as a check and balance of our church not getting too big. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's literally impossible. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, that's all that we're going to talk about today for this episode of Small Town Gospel. Tune in next week to find out what's next. Bye! Bye. <laughs>